Thank you, Jerry. Good morning. For those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is Dustin Buell, and I am the student ministry leader here at the church. And whether you're joining us online or with us in person, I am so thankful that you are here this Sunday morning. This was Confirmation Sunday. This is Confirmation Sunday. And at the last church we had, or at the last church service, we had four students that joined our church as members. Um, and so it's my pleasure to share with you a little bit this morning. And I want to start with a question. What is your favorite story? Maybe you're a Britlet enthusiast and you love some of the classics like Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice or Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe. Or maybe you're a movie connoisseur and you love the nonlinear narrative style of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar or The Prestige. Or perhaps when you think of your favorite stories, your mind immediately drifts to the same family tales that are told over and over again at every Thanksgiving gathering. Even social media is largely story-driven, as the videos on TikTok or the instant reactions on Twitter are an attempt to capture and express the way we see ourselves, our friends, and the world around us. In a vastly oversimplified but not inaccurate description, I've heard the Bible described as the continuous story of God wooing, pursuing, and redeeming his people from Genesis to Revelation. In the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, Many of Jesus' teachings were shared in the form of short stories, stories that we call parables. As humans, we naturally seem to gravitate towards stories, and I'm fairly convinced that that's not an accident. University of Virginia health sciences professor Emily E. Drake notes, Storytelling can be a powerful tool for catalyzing change. Complex ideas can be conveyed in a meaningful way that helps people focus on a new idea in a non-threatening manner. Sharing stories builds trust. Each person who hears the story begins to co-create new stories and to think about solutions. Stories make us challenge our old ways of thinking and look critically at our traditional practices. They provide a vision of what is past and what is possible. I believe God has hardwired us to connect with, react to, and build upon the stories we hear and share. As Christians, we should purposefully seek to share the stories of our own lives with others in a way that points them back to God. Those stories become our own eyewitness account of God's power and goodness and can become a catalyst to help others take hold of the life that Christ offers. In the confirmation and membership vows that our students took as they joined the church last service, the confirmands committed themselves to support the ministries of the church through their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness. Our denomination officially formed in 1968 when two other denominations, the Methodist Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church, combined to form the United Methodist Church. When that happened, our church published the United Methodist hymnals that you can find under the chairs in front of you. In addition to songs, those hymnals also contain liturgy, or the words of membership that every member of the United Methodist Church recites when they join our church, whether that's here in Kearney or around the world. Those vows are found on page 38 of the hymnal, if you're interested. But if you do turn there, you'll notice that the word witness is absent from the printed text. The word witness wasn't added to the membership vows until 2008, when our denomination decided to place a greater emphasis on Christ's call to make new disciples. Simply supporting the church through our prayers, presence, gifts, and service doesn't preclude connecting new people with Christ, 
But by adding the word witness to those other commitments, we're all invited to think more intentionally about the ways that our words and actions point back to Christ. Within a Christian context, perhaps the word witness conjures up images of someone standing on a street, on a street corner sharing their faith. Or perhaps of traveling to some other place to share the gospel of Jesus with people who have never heard the name before. While those definitions for witness certainly have their place, in the context of the broader world, the word witness is much more likely to show up on an episode of Law and Order on TV, or when a news reporter interviews an eyewitness about the tornado that just ripped through their town. When we're discussing what it means to support the church with our witness in the confirmation class, one of the confirmands said, well, a witness is someone who sees something, so maybe we're supposed to share what we see with other people. Our students are wise, and perhaps that broader definition is one that we should consider when we think of sharing our faith with others. What have you personally seen Christ do that is worth sharing with others? What has changed in your life because of your faith? In his second letter to the Corinthian church in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul recounts just a few of his life experiences as a Christian when he writes, I've been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard, travel, in hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by the desert sun and sea storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. Well, I'm sure Paul would have rather avoided most, if not all, of those struggles in his life. Just think about the wide-ranging credibility that he brought to conversations with so many different people. He could talk about sea travel with seasoned sailors. He could lament failed friendships with a hurting congregation member. He could understand the pain of missed meals with the hungry and the uncertainty and fear with the homeless. When Paul shares the story of his own life with the Corinthian church, he allows them to see how God works in and through the everyday experiences of life. Paul's life story helps paint a picture of a God who is, aspects, who is active in all aspects of life and not simply bound up within the walls of a church building. Perhaps you, like Paul, have faced unspeakable tragedy or seen God carry you through numerous hardships that, now with some perspective, are stories that might help point others towards Christ. Or perhaps you're like me, and you doubt whether your own life stories are worth sharing with others as you seek to live out the witness of your Christian faith. Either way, when we consciously invite God to shine through us, we're often surprised when stories that may seem insignificant to our own minds end up being unexpected opportunities to live as a witness to the greatness of God. I'd like to share one such story with you now. During my freshman year of high school, my youth group at the Liberty United Methodist Church traveled to McAllen, Texas for a mission trip. We spent the week re-roofing a house for a low-income family, and each day we would pause for a sack lunch on the work site. 
During the week, one of the senior boys on the trip would hold his sandwich right in front of his mouth until a fly would land on it, and then he'd snap up the fly and a bite of sandwich all in one fell swoop. <laughs> he ate at least three flies during the week. And for whatever reason, I thought that fly snatching ability was the coolest skill I had ever seen. <laughs> but try as I might, I could not replicate this amazing feat. During the last night of the trip, our youth group was circled up for one final Bible study when a small cockroach ran through the center of our circle. While no logical explanation exists, I seem to have it in my mind that by eating a cockroach, I would instantly become the coolest person in the youth group, the kind of person everybody else would want to hang out with. Yet in a surprise to no one in this room, the exact opposite reaction occurred. In fact, the girl sitting next to me moved across the circle because she didn't want to be associated with the boy who ate cockroaches. Even the kid who ate flies gave me a disgusted look. Fast forward 10 years to 2013, and I'm now an adult youth director leading my own group of students on a mission trip to New Orleans. As our group circled up in a similar evening Bible study, just by happenstance, another cockroach wandered across the space in the middle of our circle. I had learned my lesson 10 years before, and this time I wisely passed on eating another creepy crawly. But you can be sure that I shared the story of that original cockroach with my youth group students and the adults on the trip. The next day, we were eating our sack lunches on a work site, and a huge horsefly landed on my elbow. Since I had shared the bug-eating story with the group the night before, I mimed raising my elbow to eat the fly, and wouldn't you know, that fly flew straight down my throat. <laughs> While I was choking, everyone else was dying laughing. And as far as I knew, that was the end of my bug-eating stories. But it seems that God had other plans and an ironic sense of humor. Some of you know that I try to substitute teach with some regularity. I love the opportunity that Sebbing affords me to connect with our students on their turf, to see what they see in the hallways and the lunchroom, and to help build connections with the teachers and administrators of the school district. I try to spend at least three days a month subbing at either Kearney Middle School, Kearney Junior High, or Kearney High School. That's a practice that I've tried to live out at all of the other churches and school districts where I've worked. In a few months after I ate that horsefly as a youth director, I found myself substitute teaching at Chillicothe High School when a student who was not in my youth group bounded into the classroom and said, Mr. Buell, Mr. Buell, I hear you eat bugs. <laughs> Is that true? I don't typically embarrass easily, but I am certain that my face turned an amazing shade of crimson that day as I realized that my tales of cockroach and fly consumption had traveled beyond Texas and Louisiana. Yet almost as quickly as that flash of embarrassment, I found myself breathing a prayer of thanksgiving because I realized that by eating a few bugs on mission trips and sharing that story with others, I now had an unexpected opportunity to point towards Christ. I'm careful not to let my role as a youth director overshadow my responsibilities as a representative of the school district when I sub. So while I didn't immediately tell this student about our mission trip, I'd been in the classroom enough to know that he was good friends with several of the students who were part of our youth group. 
and I invited him to ask them about my bug-eating escapades and to ask them where we had been when that happened. A few weeks later, that student showed up to one of our youth group gatherings and began to learn the real reason why our youth group was on those mission trips, those places where I'd eaten bugs. Later on in the same section of 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say, if I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. Eating bugs is kind of a humiliating story. And I don't think that that makes me a lot like Jesus, but if it allows me to point towards God and to share my faith with others, eating bugs on mission trips is something that's well worth it. Sometimes those aspects of our lives about which we're embarrassed or maybe even a little ashamed or that we haven't completely conquered or figured out yet, those are the stories that are the most worth sharing. Imperfect humans are a perfect lens through which God's strength can shine. So whether it was the students who just joined the church today or it's you who have been a member of our church since before it became the United Methodist Church in 1968, or if you're someone who's still wondering about what it really means to follow Jesus, I'd invite you to think about your witness this week. Why is your life different or how could it be different because of Jesus? What cockroaches from your own life might you offer back to God to use as a means to connect with or to build bridges with someone else in an unexpected way? What stories of God's goodness in your life can you consciously share with others to help point them towards Christ? What a blessing that an infinite and perfect God would choose to use us, people like you and me, as witnesses to the greatest story ever told. Will you all pray with me? Dear God, we thank you that you choose to stick with us, even through those moments about which we're embarrassed or those things that we haven't quite figured out yet. Help us to turn those into stories of your goodness, stories that we can share with others to point them towards you. Help us to consciously lift up conversations that paint a picture of a God who loves and cares for all of his people. In your name we pray. Amen.